Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 12 through 14. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. It would be good if you left the Bible open at Hebrews chapter 12 because that's going to be the essence of this sermon this morning. It's where I want to start our lesson. I want to thank the men who have been leading in worship. I I don't know about you, but I, uh, through my week, get to where I long for worship with you. And um, it's not just the fact that we worship in truth here. We do. It's because we also worship in spirit here. And the men who have led us this morning uh, think just like I think about this. I always like people who think like I think. Noah uh, chose his song so carefully. He knew that I was going to talk about holiness this morning. And so the songs have just been so well done. The prayers that have been prayed and our scripture reading. And I'm so glad that you're here. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it's time for school to start back. And I thought that today's sermon would be particularly, uh, hopefully, interesting to you. And if you're listening on a recording, I'm interested in our, our young people who are sitting here in front of me. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, you got to be careful about the feeble knees. That's kind of an interesting thing. It pictures somebody who's very weak, uh, weary. Look at, um, let's go to verse 12. Therefore, lift up the hands which hang down. You can picture that, can't you? And the feeble knees, I'm just about to fall over. And it's not talking about physically. It's talking about emotionally and spiritually. And sometimes you get just very discouraged for, I don't know, various reasons. The first few verses of this chapter are to help people who sometimes are discouraged and who have feeble knees and have hang, uh, hand, hands that hang down. There are three things I want you to see. The first one is this, verse 1, therefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, stop, who are the witnesses? And the answer is, it's the people in Hebrews chapter 11 in the roll call of faith. And these are, these are the greats. I'm telling you, the world wasn't worthy of them. They, they were people who held on to their faith so tenaciously that even in the view of death, inside of death, they would not give up. And the kinds of sufferings that they went through are just amazing and, and that we can read them. And I, don't, you have people in your life, don't you, who were faithful, devout Christians, now gone. They've gone on to their reward, and yet you think about them, and it gives you courage now. I can keep going And I know that I can because I watch them. Now, when I say that, what comes to your mind? I know I can do this because they did. Now, verse 2, it's about Jesus. 
looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, what did he do? Who for the joy that is set before him, this is about the cross, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your minds. Now, verse 4 just goes right through me. You have not yet resisted to blood striving against sin. So when I'm, when I'm discouraged in my life, I, I just remember that as hard as it may be to be a Christian, to hold on to my faith like I should, I've not resisted unto blood. Jesus did that. I, I've never done that. You say, boy, it's pretty hard. Well, it's not that hard. You're not, you're not doing anything that hard. And then you get to the next verse, and he's going to give this discourse about how that God is your father. You say times are difficult sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sometimes are hard. Sometimes test your faith. Sometimes test your endurance or your, your holding on to what is right. I want you to remember that God never has forgotten you. Wait on God. God will never forget you. You say, I don't know how to, how to figure that out. Well, it's not so hard. In this passage, what he says is just remember that your God is like your father, your, your, your dad. It would be as easy or easier for your, whole, your own dad to forget you than it would be for God. God won't forget you. He's your father. Now, all of this then culminates. These three things culminate into verse 14. Pursue peace with all men and holiness. Without that, without which no man shall see God. And today what I want to do is to talk about holiness. Holiness. I I think that we struggle with holiness. And for what reasons can you think of that we struggle with holiness? I mean, we, we seldom even use the word outside this building. But I'm telling you, it's a Bible word, and it's, it has great significance. And I think that we associate holiness with something that is just rather beyond our reach. But that's not true. In the Scriptures, holiness is something that is attainable by you and me, and we all ought to have it. As a matter of fact, I would say the word holiness in many ways is synonymous with being a disciple, a Christian. I follow Jesus Christ. Let's talk about today being holy. You know what I want for you in this new school year? If I had to summarize it, I want you to be holy. I want you to be holy. Now, there are three reasons why we struggle with holiness. Maybe there are more. There are three that I think of. And the first one is that, that we struggle to understand it. What kinds of things come to your mind? If I, if I reference a holy man, what do you think of? If I reference a holy woman, what do you think of? I'm not sure that we often get this right. If you go to the original words in the Old Testament and the New Testament, here's what you come up with. And, and it means, now you get different things that are holy. You have a holy nation talked about, or you have, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground talked about. Uh, you, your Father in heaven is holy. We'll talk about that in a minute. But in reference to people, in reference to you and me, it's like this in the Old and New Testament. It means apartness. It means separate. It means distinctive. It means sacred. And all of it's tied to God. It's that I'm separate. Well, you think about what sanctified means. And you can define sanctified. Sanctified means set apart for holy purposes. Holy is very similar to that. It is apartness. It is that we are, that we are different because we're Christians. That's what it means. 
Where do we get it? Let me tell you something. You'll never, ever grasp holiness if you don't get this, this reality that, that God defines holiness. So here we go. Isaiah chapter 6, the first three verses. And, and what it says is that the, and we sang about it this morning. That first song you sang, led us in this morning, holy, holy, holy. And one verse talks about the cherubim and seraphim. Uh, and and the, the Bible says here that one of those angelic creatures cried out in heaven, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, let me tell you something. In Scripture, when something is repeated twice, and Jesus would sometimes do this, Verily, verily, I send to you, or, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If you say it twice, it means there's great emphasis to this. But if you say it three times, it's over the top. The only attribute of God in Scripture that is repeated three times this, like this is this. It is the holiness, the holiness of God. Now, that attaches down to us. That comes down to us. Here's Leviticus 19 and verse 2. And the Bible says here that, that I should follow him and be holy because he is holy. If you claim to be somebody who follows God, you want to obey God, live for God, I'm telling you he's holy and you'll be holy, right? And so our verse today, Hebrews 12 and 14, says that we're to be holy, that, that with, without holiness we won't see God. The same thing is true about, about Jesus. Now, John chapter 15 says that Jesus is the vine and, and we're the branches. You're familiar with that. The Apostle Paul grabs that in Romans chapter 11 and verse 16, and he attaches it to this. He says, now, if the root, that's the, that's, the, that's the vine, the root, if the root is holy, then so are the branches. Want to define holiness? This is it. It's not, it's not some, you say, well, I think about a holy man, and I think about a monk in some monastery off on a mountain somewhere by himself. He's a holy man. Excuse me. Well, he may be a part, but that's not what this is talking about. What's described here is very much like the word Christian. It's very much like the word disciple. What does disciple mean? A disciple means somebody who is a student, a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what holy means. If he is holy and you follow him, then you're holy. Holy means set apart for holy purposes. It means an apartness. It means there's a distinction between you and the world out there in a way that attaches you to Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, uh, let's start with 13, is very, very significant. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace. Now, what I'm about to show you is not inconsistent with grace. And when we talk about how that we've got to be obedient and holding it, holy, it doesn't, it doesn't separate us from God's grace. We, we rest on the hope of the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. That's humility. I, I'm just, you know, I, I don't attain to the greatness of Christ. I'm an obedient child, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is, as it is written, be holy because I'm holy. That goes back to Leviticus. That's where it was said. Why, why is it that we struggle with holiness? The first thing is that I don't think we understand. I think we misunderstand holiness. 
and what it means. And it means a, a conformity to living my life. I get up in the morning and I want to be a Christian. I want to pursue being like Christ. Another way to say that is to pursue holiness. Another way to say that is that I'm his disciple and so I want to be like him. I want to follow his example in every way. I want to think like him. I want to act like him in the ways that he taught me. The second reason we struggle with holiness is because we're, we're so tempted, we're so bent toward conformity. We're bent toward conformity. And I don't, I don't know, maybe you're thinking, I don't even understand what you're talking about, Glenn. Well, I mean, are we, how, what, what? I don't think, I don't think we are. Aren't we? <laughs> Sometimes conformity is not bad. I mean, I'm wearing a tie today after all. I didn't think of this. I didn't come up with this. Somebody else did. I wear it because other people do. But I like it. I like it. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul said, it became all things to all men that I might, by all means, I might save some. What is that? He conformed to some cultural things that weren't sinful against God. I tell you what, though, we really want to conform to the atmosphere around us, don't we? We do. If you don't believe me, just, I mean, if you're, how long ago since you graduated from high school? For those of you for whom it's been 20 or 30 years, this is easy. Go look at your, your yearbook, your annual, and tell me that you weren't into conformity. You're going to look at that and you're going to say, that's very funny. Why do we dress like that? I can't believe our hair looked like that. That's crazy. I can't believe I wore my hair. just That's crazy. I would never go out of the house now looking like that. No, you wouldn't. But you did then. You know why? Because other people did. I made a terrible mistake a couple of times when I was a kid. When I really wanted to do something, it seemed to me at that point of my little brain that, that it would be a good and appropriate argument to say to my parents, you, you need to let me do this or that because everybody else is doing it. I thought that would work. It didn't. All it did was trigger the speech about, you know, if everybody was jumping off a cliff, I got that speech more than once. And the answer is, no, I probably wouldn't do that. I don't think I would do that. No, no. A few years ago, and this is true about teenagers. I'm not fussing at you. I mean, adults have the same struggles. I don't remember the last time I saw a teenager dressed in goth. You remember goth, gothic, do you? You know what I'm talking about? You need to walk around and look like you belong in a casket. Goth. And people did that because they wore those, they dressed like that. Maybe some do now. I just, it's been a long time since I've seen anybody in goth. And I think that people dress like that because they wanted to declare their individuality. They wanted to say, I'm a nonconformist. Look at me which was, of course, absurd because what they did was the opposite. They did that because of conformity. They wanted to conform to other people, and they wanted to belink themselves with a particular group of people, and that's why they dressed like that. Is that a true statement? I mean, I want to look like that. I want to look like them. One year in in Polishing the Pulpit, I was to speak on a a short list of, of such issues like these, and one of them was cutting. And teenagers back then cut themselves. I, I suppose it still happens sometimes. I don't know of it. I don't personally know a person who is cutting himself or herself. And, and you, you can, can you remember this? Can you remember when this was happening and they would cut their arms and on the tops of their legs? It was a terrible, terrible thing. 
and parents would find out about it. And typically the teenagers would do it in places where you just couldn't see it. Their clothing would cover it up and then some people would see it. And maybe a mom or a dad would see it and they would just come apart because this was truly, truly bad. And what was interesting is that really smart people who study this sort of thing said, well, you know, this is because we put the teenagers under such terrible stress for so many different reasons. And when teenagers are really stressed, this is what they're going to do. That was foolish. That's not true. An accurate statement would be that if you put teenagers under this kind of stress, what's going to happen is that they will act out in some way. That was true. The cutting part was conformity. The cutting part, proven by the fact that the fad is gone. There's still people, I suppose, who do it, but to cut in the numbers of kids that were doing it has gone. It evaporated. Why? It's because it was a fad. That's what it was. It was conformity. And very often, we do things to declare our, especially as kids, I think, we did things to say, I'm an individual. I am a nonconformist. And look at me. And the reality is I'm doing the opposite. What I'm doing is conforming to a, a particular kind of people. And I just want to associate with them. I want to belong. I've been, I've been told a time or two in my life that you, you sometimes have kids that are very, very intelligent, very smart kids. They could ace everything. Bang, bang. But sometimes they deliberately do poorly on tests because they don't want people around them to think of them as being so smart. We're drawn to conformity. And what I'm saying is that the word holy is the antithesis of that. Holy is not conformity. Not with the world. And so you have Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And the point is that holy means set apart. It means that I care about people. I care about what people think about me. We should care. But when it comes to my faith, when it comes to practicing right from wrong, I don't care what anybody thinks. This is where we can be selfish. I don't care what people think about me if God approves me. It's got to be true about my morals. It's true about my entertainment choices. It's true about sexuality. You say, you're just not going to fit in. Well, you know what? That's all right with me. You know why? Because I'm pursuing holiness. That's why. You know, you get to live your own life. But I'm, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm pursuing holiness. It's not just that I choose to do this or that. It's that I choose to do this or that because I'm a Christian. Now, that's the essence of holiness. The, the third reason why we struggle with this is this. We sense that the culture around us has contempt for holiness. Now, I wrote it this way because I, I, don't, I don't know if it's always true, but I think that, that the, the devil would like very much for us to think like this, and maybe sometimes it is certainly true. I just know that you ever carry a Bible around in a public place? Did you ever walk through an airport with a Bible in your arm? Did you ever sit down and read the Bible on an airplane? And if you did, did it give you a little bit of discomfort wondering what people might be thinking about you? Come on, it's America. You can read anything you want. Why, why would you want? I just think that that illustrates the point is that we, we may have this feeling that everybody around us has contempt for, for holiness and that we, that we don't need to show our holiness too much because if we do, people are going to interpret that. They will view us 
and sanctimonious and arrogant. And are you ready for this? Holier than thou. The reality is, if we are not holier than most people in the world, we will go to hell. We cannot go to heaven if we won't be holy. And that's what our verse this morning said. Pursue peace with all all men and holiness without which no man will ever see the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1 again in verse 15 says, I want you to be holy in all your conduct. Ephesians 5 and 27 says it about the whole church, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that, talking about the church, that it should be holy and without blemish. What does that mean? It just means set apart. It means that we're different just by virtue of the fact that we serve King Jesus. We follow him. Now, that's not just religious talk. That's practical. That's how we live our lives. That's how we make our choices. We choose. And this morning in this worship, you know that God is being worshiped. It's awesome to think about the fact that we truly are worshiping him and that he's receiving our worship this morning. And he is holy holy, holy. And when we serve him and conform ourselves to the image of Jesus Christ, we too are holy. And and nobody, you must never, ever, ever let anybody take that away from you. Now, here's the second point of two. There are three things that that holiness demands of me. The first one is, and I'm, I'm replowing this ground, but I want you to get it from some other passages, is separation. Separation and distinctiveness is demanded. Now, look at, look at Exodus chapter 19 and verse 6. The Bible says, or God says to them, that I want you, these people of Israel, I want you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Well, kingdom of priests, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's going to make them all of the tribe of Levi. It doesn't mean that, that they're going to be the priestly tribe, everybody. That's never how it was. What it does mean, though, is this holiness thing. It's the separation. It's an apartness from the world. You won't be like the, the nations round about you. And you have the same thing in the New Testament. Here's 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You're a, ho- a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Christians, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We don't live in the darkness. We live in Christ. It's going to affect the way that you speak, the language that you use. We don't talk like the world. It's funny, you hit your thumb with a hammer, and you may think those words in your head because you hear the world, world talking like that, but we don't talk like that. James 3 and verse 2, bridle your tongue or God won't accept you. In our entertainment choices, that has an effect on what we choose for our entertainment. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How about that? There it is. Two. There are three things that holiness demands of us. And one is this separation, this distinctiveness. The second one is that we respected in other people. I've always believed that Christians ought to have scruples about them. That is to say that in the application of the principles of God's word, your family ought to have personal scruples that we hold to. 
just because we're in pursuit of holiness. We, we, we want to be holy. And sometimes I may not hold the same. These are matters of opinion, matters of discretion, that, that I may not hold the same particular scruples as you do, and maybe you won't hold the same as me about some of these matters of judgment. But I declare to you that if I'm practicing and pursuing holiness, that I'm going to respect them and other people. And maybe a family would say, we've decided to not have a television anymore. How would you respond to that? And we might respond badly. We might respond maybe to somebody else. And we might say, I think they're wound a little tight, don't you? I don't see that. I think that's just going too far. I, 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 you know what? No, no, no. Hold of this means that I respect people who are trying to apply the principles in their lives. And it makes us different. Maybe a family would say, we're only going to go to G-rated movies. We will only watch G-rated movies. Really? I can't believe you'd do that. Imagine all the great movies you're going to miss. I'm not going to say that to them. We don't have to watch movies to go to heaven. We don't have to be entertained to go to heaven. But we've got to be holy to go to heaven. What about a family that says, we're going to homeschool? I know that everybody doesn't have to homeschool, and I know that. What if a family says that's what we choose to do because we're pursuing this holiness? I'm not going to criticize. What if, what if you've got a family and they say, we play sports, we love sports, but we don't, we don't play sports and miss worship? You, you, would you make fun of that? Would you? I will not. I just won't. Praise God for people who have convictions and they really want to do the right thing and they're pursuing holiness. Henry David Thoreau, 19th century, you know Thoreau, and he went to prison one time. He failed to pay his poll tax because he argued that he wouldn't pay taxes in a state that sanctioned slavery. So there he was, and immediately, his right away, his close friend, Ralph Waldo came to see him, you know, Emerson. And he said, allegedly, why, Henry, what are you doing in there? And the response was, nay, Ralph, the question is, what are you doing out there? Number three, three things that holiness demands of me. It demands pursuit. That's what this means. You've got to pursue it. That word, that Greek word means something that you're familiar with. When you were a kid and you would play tag and you were it. And you would run hard to touch the other person so he would be it. You know what that is? That's this word. It, it's pursuit. It means, it means to pursue a person or a thing vigorously. The ball was thrown from the 30-yard line, you caught it, and there's nobody close to you, close enough back there, and you're, you're, you're running as fast as you can with that football because you're going to get to the goal line, and that's what this word means. It means an active pursuit. And why would you say you've got to pursue holiness? And the answer is because it won't drop in your lap. That's why. Nobody's accidentally holy. Nobody accidentally is a faithful disciple of Jesus. Nobody accidentally follows Jesus Christ. You do it because you choose to do it. You choose to do it. Somebody asked the other day, and this has been troubling me. I mean, just the thought of it. 
What if every time I chose the world's way over the Lord's way, I got a scar on my face? I wonder what effect that would have. Every time I chose worldliness over what Jesus, I knew Jesus wanted me to do or be or say, think. Every time I went the wrong direction because of the conformity problem, every time I chose against holiness, that I got a scar on my face. I wonder, I wonder how it would affect me. So, Hebrews chapter 12 is our text today. Hebrews chapter 12 starts out saying, sometimes you're going to be discouraged. Here's what will build you back up again. Number one is to remember great people you've known through the years who are, are gone now, but they were so faithful to Christ. And let them be your example. Hear their voice in your mind and remember them. And I know you do, and I, I do that. And the second thing he said is remember Jesus who, for the joy that was set before him, he was going to go prepare a place for us. And for the joy that was set before him, he, he suffered under blood. You haven't suffered under blood. You say, yeah, but it's hard. Yeah, well, it's not that hard. And then remember that God's your father and he loves you and he hasn't forgotten you and you just wait on the Lord. And then, then be sure that you pursue peace with all men and holiness. Because without that, no man will see the Lord. Christianity is, is not merely a title that we wear. It's a lifestyle. It is the way that we choose to live our lives to be pleasing to our Father. I want to be like Christ. That's exactly what it means to be a disciple. I want to be like Him. I want to think like Him. I know what He, what he says about so many different things, and I can apply those principles in my own life. And when I do that, I'll be holy. I'm so glad that you're here. Is there someone here who's made up his mind or her mind to be a Christian? Obey him. Say, I, I, I can't change the way that my past is. I can't have any effect on that now. But what I can do is about my now and my future. I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to be his disciple. I want to be holy. I want to pursue holiness. That's what it means to be a Christian. Would you like to be a Christian? You can start that walk. If you repent of your sins and confess Jesus and be baptized, I, I know that he's the son of God. I know that he is because I've heard the Bible. I've heard the word. Now I'm ready. And you can, you can obey the gospel. You can be baptized, immersed in the water because you want to respond to the one who said, he that believes in this baptized shall be saved. If you already are a Christian and you need the prayers of your brothers and sisters, we're here for you and we will be so glad to do that and to offer our help. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.